Today on Hardwired. He says, I will ask nothing more of you except that you hold tightly to what you have until I come to all who are victorious, who obey me to the very end. To them, I will give authority over all the nations. Amen. So when you hang tough and you resist evil and resist false teaching, once again, there's an incredible reward for those who hold fast to the faith. Welcome to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wickwire, founder and senior pastor of Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. If you're looking for some words of hope, encouragement, solid biblical truth, and maybe even a laugh or two, well, that's exactly what Pastor Jeff wants to share with you today. We know life can get pretty busy and complicated at times, so we're truly grateful you've chosen to take a break and listen to the program. Now, if you're not able to hang out with us for the entire program, you can always check it out at our website, hardwired.org. In fact, you can find all the programs right there waiting just for you, hardwired.org. But right now, here's Pastor Jeff to tell us more about today's program on Hardwired. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Hardwired. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, last time we were together, we began a brand new series through the book of Revelation that I've called A New World is Coming. And indeed it is. There is a brand new world coming. Jesus Christ is going to be the ruler of the universe. And I look forward to that day. But until that day, we can certainly see what Jesus himself predicted in the book of Revelation for the last days. Today we're going to look at what I've called the postcards from the edge. Jesus had a special word for seven churches that existed in the time of John and what he had to say to those churches apply to us today as Christians and in our own churches. All of them have a very special personal application for those of us who are alive in these exciting times. I can't wait to share part two of the message, postcards from the edge. Let's go. Now, the return of Christ is called the parousia. That's the Greek word for it, parousia. And it means presence or arrival. That's the second coming of Christ, the parousia. So when we say the parousia, we're talking about the visible return of Jesus to the earth. He's shown standing in the midst of the seven churches. There he is in the midst and there's nothing hidden from his eyes. So he moves to the second church after Ephesus, and that's the church in Smyrna. Now, the Smyrna church was the persecuted church, while Ephesus was the loveless church. And as with all but two of the seven churches, Jesus has a corrective word here for Thyatira. Now he's gonna really meddle with their stuff. Look what he says, verse 20. I have this complaint against you. You are permitting that woman, that Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet, to lead my servants astray. Now remember, who are these written to? They're written to the angels of the churches. What is angel? Angelos. What does it mean? Messenger. Well, he's not telling the angels of God all of this. This wouldn't be news to them. Who's he writing this to? The leadership of the churches. And he's saying, you have permitted this woman, Jezebel. What was she doing? She teaches them to commit sexual sin. There we go again. And to eat food offered to idols. Very, very similar to the church at Pergamos. Very similar stuff going on. 
And Jesus says, I've got eyes like flames of fire. My eyes see through everything. Okay? So he says, almost all of the Lord's message to Thyatira deals with a woman named Jezebel. Now, I don't know if this was her actual name, because if you read the Bible at all, you know there was another Jezebel in the Old Testament who was bad news baby. She slaughtered the prophets of God. She was wicked head to toe. I mean, this woman was consummately wicked. She worshiped Baal. She led all of Israel into Baalism, idol worship. She corrupted the whole nation. Ahab, her poor little lackadaisical, lackluster husband just followed her around, letting her take charge and take control. So it could be that Jesus uses this name just to let us know because we associate that wicked Jezebel of the Old Testament, he said, I want you to know this one that is in Thyatira, she's just as wicked. And she's introducing idolatry and immorality into the congregation under the guise of being a prophetess. I've got the word of the Lord. I've got the word. Hama, hama, hama. I've got the word of the Lord. And, and here's what God is saying. And under the guise of being super spiritual, she came in under the radar, and the church leadership missed it because Jesus says, you're permitting this woman. What's up with you? You can always hear him saying, what's wrong with you? You should have spotted this. You should have seen this, right? Don't you know what she's doing? Hasn't it moved through the grapevine? Don't, haven't you heard what she's up to? She's seducing the men in the church and teaching moral laxity to the church in the name of Christ, a prophetess. Oh, Jezebel's so spiritual. Have you been to sit down with Jezebel and, and ask her for a word from God? Have you got a word from the Lord from Jezebel? Because she's really got it going on. But when she got you in her clutches, she brought another message. God doesn't care about fornication. God doesn't care about adultery. Because here's the deal. We're doing this in the name of the Lord. So somehow or another, she convinced them that this moral laxity was of God. And she did it by a spiritual, being a, under a spiritual disguise. Leading my servants astray, she teaches them to commit fornication and to eat food offered to idols. And the act of bringing idolatry and immorality into the local church is soundly condemned by the risen Savior. And once again, I ask you, what does Jesus think about what's going on in a whole lot of the church today? And does he know about it? Well, you better know he knows about it because he's got eyes like flames of fire. He cuts through everything. He sees everything. And he pronounces a sobering word of judgment because she refused to repent. Look what he says. I gave her time to repent, but she does not want to turn away from her immorality. So the repentance season that Jesus gave her, she didn't take advantage of it. So the Lord says, therefore, I will throw her on a bed of suffering. And those who commit adultery with her will suffer greatly unless they repent and turn away from her evil deeds. It gets worse. I will strike her children dead. Now, that doesn't mean her offspring. I don't think so. I think it means her followers, the offspring of her doctrine. I will strike them dead. We've got a serious judgment going through the church here. Then all the churches will know when there's dead people that I'm the one who searches out the thoughts and intentions of every person. And I will give to each of you whatever you deserve. Whoa. I didn't write this. Jesus said this. 
So whatever you sow, you're going to reap, and you don't really listen. It's like when Ananias and Sapphira lied about what they gave to the church, and one dropped dead and then the other one. I guarantee you, tithing got real straightened out right about then. <laughs> because they, they said, oh, we'll just tell little white lies, and we look more spiritual to Peter. Peter said, why'd you lie to the Holy Ghost? You didn't lie to me, you lied to the Holy Ghost. So what we need to see, what I want us to see here, well, there's a wonderful promise delivered to those that avoided her teaching. So here's the promise to those of us who hear false teaching and we resist it and refuse to let it seduce us. But I also have a message for the rest of you in Thyatira who have not followed this false teaching. He said, deeper truths as they call them. Did you catch that? Jezebel was calling the moral laxity teaching deeper truth. But what does Jesus call it? The depths of Satan. He says, I will ask nothing more of you except that you hold tightly to what you have until I come to all who are victorious, who obey me to the very end. To them, I will give authority over all the nations. Amen. So when you hang tough and you resist evil and resist false teaching, once again, there's an incredible reward for those who hold fast to the faith. So here's the nugget. Jesus calls the teaching that justifies immorality the depths of Satan. So we can safely say that in, in not all the church, but in certain parts of the church in our world today, they have opened the door to the depths of Satan. Scary, scary thought. Now we come into chapter three and the fifth church, which is Sardis. It's in Sardis. Sardis was the spiritually dead church. The city of Sardis itself was very old and in material things, it was very wealthy in textiles and in jewelry making. So they had a lot of money. They had a lot of commerce going on. And, but spiritually and morally, Sardis was depraved. They had allowed a prostitution temple to be built to Diana in their city. And they entertained a lot of mystery cults as well. And in these cults, you would see things like this. Emotional hysteria, bodily mutilation was common cutting themselves, mutilating their bodies in sacrificial offerings to their idols. The church in Sardis had a reputation for being alive, but Jesus says they were spiritually DOA. I know all the things you do and you have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. Wake up, strengthen the little bit that remains for even what is left is almost gone, dead. So even the little flicker of life, they still had a little spark here and there. It was in danger of being snuffed out. They were almost, listen, there was almost nothing there at all but death. So Jesus comes in and he tells them what he sees. And he said, you want my opinion? You want the truth? You're on life support. You got a reputation for you. You got what's going on. You got it going on. You're one of the happening churches, but guess what? From my view, you're dead. The great physician had taken their spiritual pulse and pronounced them gone. On the outside, they might have been a beehive of activity, all kinds of busyness going on. They had a reputation around town, but spiritually, folks, they were dead. And you know, that's where it really counts. You cannot look at a church's money or buildings or fame and say, well, they got to be alive because look at all this. No. You can have all that and be spiritually dead. The most important thing you and I 
can tend to in our life is to keep the flame in our own heart lit. Keep that flame lit with your daily devotional with God, which you cannot do without. And if you come here longer than two weeks, you know that I'm a broken record on that. You can't let your time in the word of God and in prayer fade. You've got to do it every day. You got to do it when you're on vacation because there's no vacation from God. Right? Because we need it. We need it. So we got to keep that flame lit. And they had somehow missed this. A name that lived, but they're dead. Jesus says to them, repent, same word, and turn to me again. If you don't wake up, if you don't wake up, I will come to you suddenly as unexpected as a thief. And we don't know what that meant, but it's not something I want to experience. So while we may fool others, Jesus knows our true spiritual condition. Amen. And your spouse probably does too. We'll get back to Pastor Jeff in a moment to close out today's program. But first, I want to share something about our program. Our mission is actually very simple, to share the life-changing good news of Jesus Christ in a way that gets hardwired into your life. And we trust these messages from Pastor Jeff aren't something you can only listen to and enjoy, but that they inspire you to share with others. The message of the gospel is something everyone needs to hear. And that's why it's a priority to us. And you get to join us in this important mission. Call us at 877-884-3111 to say you're in. Or drop us a line at our website, hardwired.org. Well, here's Pastor Jeff with the rest of today's program. We're coming to the last two churches, Philadelphia. Philadelphia is the Greek. It's the spiritually alive church. The church of Philadelphia had faithfully proclaimed the love of God. I want to be a Philadelphia church. Amen. I want to be a Philadelphia church because look what they did. I know all things you do and I have opened a door for you that no one can close. Can we give God an amen here? Amen. What was the door? I've opened a door for you to evangelize, to share the word of God, to preach Christ. You have little strength, yet you obeyed my word and didn't deny me. That means so much to me because they're not feeling like Hercules at this time. They're not Samson here. They're feeling like, man, I'm doing my best, but I'm just not feeling super strong. I'm trying to take another step. I'm trying to do the right thing. I'm really wanting. And Jesus says, look, all I need is a little strength because in your weakness, I am made strong. Philadelphia is only one of two churches that Jesus finds no correction for. There's no correction for them. The other one was Smyrna. And we see that Jesus opened a door for them to share Christ. As I said, nobody could close it. Even their enemies would have to admit that God was with them. Look, Jesus says, look, I will force those who belong to Satan's synagogue. There it is again. The Jews who said they were Jews, but they weren't really because they were resisting their own Jewish Messiah. So they were in Satan's synagogue. Those liars who say they're Jews, but they aren't, they're going to come and bow down at your feet. They will acknowledge that you're the ones I love because you have obeyed my command to persevere. I will protect you from the great time of testing that will come upon the whole world to test those who belong to this world. I am coming soon. I want us to embrace the Philadelphia church here for a minute and just think, how many of you have ever felt like, maybe you feel like it now? I'm doing my best, but I sure don't feel like Samson today. Come on. I'm trying to put one foot in front of another. 
I'm trying to stay in the race. I'm doing my very best, but a lot of things have come against me and I'm not feeling super strong. That's where I want you to see this Philadelphia church. They persevered with little strength, but Jesus didn't have one correction for them. He said, hold on to what you have. Can we say that together? I'm going to hold on to what I have. What do you have? Your salvation. Hold on to what you have so that no one can take away your crown. That's talking about your salvation. So here's the nugget. With even a little strength, much good can be done. Amen? Even evangelizing the world. Now we come to the last church. This one matters because I think this is the church of today. Here we go. The church of Laodicea, that's the lukewarm church. Now, listen carefully because this matters. I got a call on this tonight on To Every Man and Answer. And here's the deal. Some believe that these seven churches that we've just covered are not only real churches in John's day, but they also represent seven historical phases the church would pass through before Christ's return. So you had not just seven real churches, but you look at what Christ dealt with in every one of them. And if you look at church history, I wish I had time to go into it tonight, but if you look at church history, you can almost track the Pergamos church, the Thyatira church, phases that the church of Jesus Christ went through in history up to now. So I can't prove that that is an accurate interpretation. I can absolutely prove the seven churches were real in the first century. These were real churches in John's day. Whether or not they represent seven phases, the church would consecutively, sequentially go through leading up to the return of Christ. I don't know. I happen to believe it myself. I can't prove it, but I believe it. Saying that, Laodicea is certainly the church of the last days. That's the phase we're in right now. Now, saying that, that doesn't mean you've got to be Laodicean in, in your walk with God. I think it can serve as a warning. Be careful that you don't go Laodicean, which is lukewarm. But I believe when we look at the across the church horizon today, what do you see? Do you see a red-hot gospel-preaching, world-changing, culture-impacting church? You see all kinds of problems, all kinds of compromise, all kinds of lukewarmness. Let's look at what Jesus says. Now, the Bible predicts that in the last days, there's going to be a great falling away. It's called an apostasy. And the lukewarmness described in the Laodicean church could very well be the end time trait of professing Christians, many professing Christians in the last days. Lukewarmness. I'm kind of in, I'm kind of out. I got one foot in, one foot out. Oh, I like certain Bible verses, but I don't care for the others. So I'll, I'll obey these, but no, I'm, I'm going to cherry pick the verses that I want to live by. And so if I want to live another kind of lifestyle, well, I'll just pick up a little bit of this religion and that religion, a little bit of Islam here, a little bit of Buddhism there, a little bit of Far East religion, salt and pepper, my Christian faith with a mix of other faiths, Chrislam. Are you with me? You know, we don't need to be fanatical about this thing. It's called, you know what's called today? Deconstruction. Oh, I've deconstructed. People say that. I've seen so many YouTubes on it. It's so sad. I'm a deconstructed Christian. What does that mean? 
Well, it means that I deconstructed all the Christian stuff that I was taught growing up and all the things that I presuppose were true from the Bible. I've deconstructed so that now I've torn those beliefs down and I've replaced them with something else. So I'm deconstructed. Now, we have another word for that, at least I do. It's called backslidden. But you can put a fancy word to it if you want to all oh, deconstructed, like you're some incredible intellectual that did so much thinking. And you've decided that this wasn't true and that wasn't true and the other wasn't true. And now you, being brilliant as you are, have deconstructed and now you've arrived at a more real ideology, philosophy, theology in your life. But the Bible calls it backsliding. You've drifted from God, but that's free. That's not in my notes. I'm just throwing that out. <laughs> Jesus said, when the Son of Man comes, is he even going to find faith on the earth? Did you know he said that? Luke 18, 8. Meaning there's going to be a great apostasy. Paul predicted 2 Timothy 3, 1 Timothy 4. He predicted in the last days, many will depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and teachings that come straight from devils. Professing Christians will end up listening to devils. So here's Laodicea, the lukewarm church. You know the verse, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If any man hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. Do you know? That's, I use it for evangelism a lot. I have. But that's not what, what that verse is about. That's a Laodicean verse. That's the Jesus on the outside of the Laodicean church knocking for permission to come in. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. But he's supposed to be in the church. But Laodicean church has kicked him out. Whoa. If you'll just open the door again, I'll come in again and sup with you and you with me. But right now, we're separated. Now, he says, you say I am rich. I have everything I want. This describes the last day's church that is totally focused on material wealth and riches, not spiritual wealth. God wants you in a mansion. He wants you with the best car. He wants you on the best street. He wants you wealthy. You ought to be wealthy. It's all about material things. That's not the message of the New Testament. If I can be bold, if you can show me any verse that tells you that, I'm almost ready to say I'll eat the page, but I got to be careful. <laughs> but I don't think you can show me a verse because that's not what Jesus came to do. He may, came to make us spiritually wealthy, spiritually. Not that he won't take care of your needs, he will. Not that there's anything wrong with prospering, there's not. But you can't make that the central message of the New Testament. He didn't die on the cross to make me rich. He died on the cross so that I could be forgiven and be filled with the Holy Ghost of God, which is exceedingly rich. But this allowed to see in church, they say, I don't need a thing. That's their statement to that Jesus had heard them say, I don't need anything. But Jesus said this, you don't realize you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Ever redemptive, Jesus advises them to buy gold tried in the fire and eye salve with which to anoint their eyes that they might truly see. Gold represents the deity of Christ here. And the eye salve represents the spiritual illumination of the Holy Ghost. These Laodiceans were seeing yet blind, rich yet poor, and they were knowledgeable yet foolish. I believe we're in the Laodicean church age. Look around you. Look around you. Again, and I close here, does that mean that we've got to be Laodicean just because we're in the Laodicean church age? No, Jesus gave this to warn us so that we would spot it, recognize it, and avoid it. Because remember, this is things you have seen and things that are and the things that shall be.
So this is a church that wasn't yet, but would be. It's all about money, not about spiritual riches. So let's stand together, can we? So we as Christians who want to please the Lord, we must resist a Laodicean spirit. I'm not going to be lukewarm. I'm going to be all in. Amen? Amen. So we covered the loveless church, the loyal church, the lax church, the loose church, the lifeless church, the loving church, and the lukewarm church. Next, we're going to blast off because God is going to take John to heaven. And we're going to see what we would never see if he hadn't seen it. Thanks for listening today to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wickwire. To get a copy of today's message, give us a call at 877-884-3111. Or you can pick it up at our website, hardwired.org. That's 877-884-3111 or the website, hardwired.org. While you're there at the website, you'll find today's message along with all the messages from Pastor Jeff. We know they've been an encouragement to you, so be sure to forward them on to a friend who you think needs to hear today's message or any of the messages there at the website. It might be the very thing they need to be encouraged as well. Again, the website is hardwired.org or call us at 877-884-3111. If you haven't been to the website lately, jump on over there and take a look at all we have for you. One last thing, Your partnership with this program through your generous giving is always needed and very appreciated. We know Hardwired is making a difference in your life. So this is how you can make a difference to ours. Please take a minute to send your best gift through our website, hardwired.org, or by calling 877-884-3111. Thanks so much for your heart of generosity. We truly do appreciate it. Be sure to join us next time right here on Hardwired.